A random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter, what are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. If you lived here, you'd be home by now. Today's episode, we are at New York Comic Con 2021. This is day four. It is the final day, the final hour and a half-ish of the con. And yeah, I'm joined right now with a returning guest of the show. I believe uh, you're a three-time guest now at this point. You're a three-time I believe so, yes. Because you did a uh, over-the-phone one during the uh, pandemic, Kickstarter, yep. yeah, the pandemic one. And you did one at New York Comic Con, I believe. Yeah. I think we did, didn't we? Yes, seen... back here. Yeah. In the same spot. And... Yeah, a lot, a lot's happened. First off, congrats on the success of that Kickstarter. Thank you, thank you. And a little birdie told me that there's going to be a new Kickstarter coming up. Uh, yeah, actually next week uh, we'll be kickstarting Volume 2 of Tales from the Road. Um, very excited about it. We've got uh, like 12 stories in it. Um, AJ Styles, John Morrison, uh, Pentagon, Frankie Kazarian... Thunder Rosa, Matt Cardona, and Brian Myers, uh, Danny Limelight, Effie, Danhausen. Very nice, uh, very evil. Rob Van Dam, uh, and Crime Time. So we've got uh, we've got a real uh, solid selection of stories. Uh, a couple of different things. There's some some real good stuff. Some it's, some of the stuff is uh, adapted from real life stuff. Some of it's. Uh, Totally fictional, but it's all really fun. So I think uh, people will uh, enjoy seeing their uh, their favorite wrestlers sort of flex their comic book muscles. And I'm excited to see this because the whole concept of all of these different creative talents involved, you you know, you've built up such a strong rapport in the independent as well as the major wrestling scene in general. You know, there's like I've noticed that with you over the years that you have so many different people involved in pro wrestling that will come to your booth and do so many different things and. It's, it's a very good sign of character that, you know, you can be able to bring all these people along the way, you know? Well, I think everybody knows, you know, I mean, it's no secret, like, anybody that pays attention to my stuff. Like, I still have a regular job, and I think everybody knows, like, I'm not here to get rich. Like, I just want to make, I want to make cool stuff. I think we make cool stuff. I think we make cooler stuff than most people make. And... I think that people appreciate that. I think people know that I'm not out to try to make money off of somebody's name or whatever. We're just trying to make some, just trying to make cool stories, cool prints, you know, just cool stuff. Like, you know, one of my main missions was sort of, you know, and it's to a certain extent, you could say that the mission isn't needed anymore because wrestling is so much more accepted than it was. But, you know, when I started Headlocked, you didn't see wrestling at conventions. You, you know, I had the only wrestling thing at, you know, we, we broke the broke the door down for probably a dozen different shows that had no wrestling rules uh, or you know a wrestling ban on their shows. So you know it's always it's it's good to me. Like I just want people. I know how I felt as a fan coming to what's supposedly you know nerd uh, nerd Christmas or whatever and finding no wrestling stuff. Yeah. So I always wanted to make sure that we have cool stuff and we have cool guests that are 
happy to be there and happy to meet people and not miserable people or, you know, the sad wrestler alley that used to sort of exist with, uh, you know, some of the some of the older talents that were just kind of there for autograph money. Um, like Mama Fertel. Right, right. I mean, you know, like we have Jerry Lawler at all our booths almost because he does the, the art for our book. And, you know, Jerry's such a big nerd. Like, Jerry and I go to art museums all the time. We're going to an art museum in two weeks. We were just at an art museum three weeks ago. It's the it's a weird dynamic, you know what I mean? But he loves art and he loves comics and he loves being at these things. And, you know what I mean? Like, he he doesn't care. You know what I mean? He doesn't care what he makes. Like, he's, he's out to, you know, cover his expenses and stuff. And he's good. If he makes a little money, it's great. But... He's just, he's here because he wants to be here and he wants to have fun. And we, you know, so we try to have guys like that that are excited to be here. You know, I have the, uh, Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, and Mark Sterling were here for a signing. You know what I mean? They love, obviously love this stuff. They, you know, devoted their lives into this figure, you know, action figure podcast. I'd always run into them by your booth other years, you know, when they were mm-hmm. still employed by WWE. And, like, I would, you know, get excited. I'm like, one day you guys are going to be at this booth. Right, right. And, you know, it finally happened, and it was long overdue. And it's great. I mean, we did a, we did a story together that's uh, featured in the in the new Kickstarter called Fig Story, which is basically Toy Story with wrestling action figures. It's so and, damn cute. I love that. And we, uh, we've we actually talked about doing more. Like, we'd like to maybe do, like, a quarterly book where we, uh, I mean, I've got, I can't even tell you. Like, when I started doing some research for Fig Story to try to figure out the best story to tell, like, I mean, I came up with about 30 ideas, so... I've got so many, uh, so many ideas. I'm excited to do. So we're probably, we're definitely going to do more. They're, they've been blown away by the response that they've had for the, that they've had towards the book. They were like, you know, we've never been, we never go everywhere we go. Somebody's bringing us this book to sign, and uh, I mean, they blew through everything that they had. So it's, uh, it makes me happy. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing that you want. You know what I mean? You wanna, you want the guys to be, you know, happy with the thing that we put together and you know, their collaboration, and I, I, I don't want to let anybody down, you know what I mean, so I try extra hard, I mean, there's a, we're doing a story in November for uh, Pro Wrestling Crate with the, uh, the former Iconics, now the inspiration, and uh, it's a very personal story about uh, body positivity and some of the things that they had faced when they were going through, uh, you know, their eating disorders in WWE, and it's, uh, it's heavy, but we sort of also, you know, filtered it through a nightmare in Elm Street, so it's, it's also entertaining, but it's a very personal story. And like, I couldn't do the story justice in 12 pages, but I really thought it was a story that needed to be told. And it's a story that I wanted to tell and I wanted to do it right for them. So we ended up making it 20 pages. And you know what I mean? All of that's an expense that, you know what I mean? We don't get back. I mean, we'll get it back eventually. Like I'm not, but, but again, like it's, it's, we're in service of the story. We're in service of that thing, the moment, the art, the whatever, just, just that cool thing. As someone, you know, as a fellow creator, the, the whole expense also in regards to, you know, paying an artist, paying an anchor, colorist, etc. And there's all that stuff. I mean, you know, the expenses that, you know, people don't realize. And as a, you know, an independent creator, you have to, you know, do that. Absolutely. I mean, and the other thing is, is you add six more pages to a book, or, I mean, as it, as it is now, yeah, it'll be six more pages, and that's six more pages of printing. You know what I mean? Like, that's a... It's an expense. It's whatever. But I'm so excited about how the story turned out. And, you know, Jess and Cass are super excited about how it's coming. And, you know, they were, uh, you know, it's it's what needed to be done in service of the story. And that's the important thing. When it comes to a lot of this also, you know, growing up as a wrestling fan, 
being able to say, hey, some of these people are my friends now, it's must be like, you know, the kid inside of you still must be like, wow, this is cool to realize. Like, Jerry Lawler is your friend, one of your best yeah. friends in the whole world. Same Shane Helms, too. And, like, the weird thing for me, though, is, like, wrestling's real again, though, you know? Like, yeah. when I watch my friends wrestle, like, I don't want them to get hurt. Like, I, you know, I'm good yeah. friends with Christian, and I watch, uh, you know, uh, All Out, and Christian took a one-winged angel off the top rope. And, you know, I know that he's got a history of neck issues, and, like, that makes me nervous, you know what I mean? It makes yeah. me nervous for my friend. Like, so, you know, in a lot of ways, like, wrestling is real for me. I want my friends to win. I'm worried for my friends to getting hurt, like... I have all those sort of feelings that I had when I was a kid, which, I don't know, it's sort of a weird sort of full circle kind of thing, so. I like that. I like hearing that, you know, it's it's not a, it's like a, it's almost like a regression back to, you know, the innocence of it all. And, you know, everyone would always give, uh, his name, uh, Dave Willis, saw uh, crap about it, but the whole, it's still real to me, damn it, because everyone, you know, would make fun of him for that, but what he meant was, whenever he would see these performers, he would go back to being a kid, reading the after magazines, and believing it to be true. Well, I think that there's a whole generation of people that were raised on South Park that were just taught that, like, it's not cool to care about shit. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many things about South Park that were just episodes where they're like, oh, it's not cool for you to care about the environment, or it's not, you know, it's just cool, it's not cool to have feelings. And I think, you know, as we get older, I think we realize, like, crying CM Punk fan. I mean, it's so cool that that guy felt, felt. you know what I mean, that that sort of thing was stirred inside of him. Like, I think that's awesome. And, and that Punk went out and went up to, you know, found him. Sure. And I think that that's, I think that that's cool. I think it's cool to be, I think it's cool to be a fan of things. I think it's cool to love stuff. Like, when I was a kid, like, I was an unabashed comics and wrestling fan when that stuff was, neither one of those things were cool. I mean, wrestling was always... <laughs> Wrestling was kind of cool during the Hogan era, but there was still that sort of upturned nose sort of thing. I mean, it's definitely it much more. It's definitely more. Uh, it's definitely permeated the pop culture a little bit more now. But I mean, I mean, comics. Are, you know, before the Marvel movies, comics were never cool. You know what I mean? And I was thankfully, you know, whatever. I played football, so you know, people don't mess with me because I was a good-sized dude. But like, I mean, I was a dork my whole life, and I just. But I feel like it's, you just got to love the stuff that you love, and who gives a shit about what anybody else says? I mean, I don't care. You know what I mean? I don't make fun of people if they like, you know, you might like trashy reality TV, or you might like whatever. I mean, as long as what you like isn't hurting anybody, man, I mean, you just got to let people kind of love their, love their thing, and, you know, I mean, let them love it, man. And it's fun to see overall, you know, you mentioned that, you know, pro wrestling is like starting maybe a little bit like get a revival a little bit, you know, with the success in AEW, with WWE, the NXT brand and everything, and it's, it's starting to become hip again, popular, and throughout the last four days of this con, we've been inundated with pro wrestling t-shirts, four of those shirts were mine, you know, and like, you just keep going and going and seeing all of the CM Punk shirts, the AEW shirts, Roman Reigns, acknowledge me, acknowledge me, acknowledge me, you know, all of those things, just a lot of, uh, it, it's it's coming back. Yeah, and I think that's cool. I think it's cool that people can feel <clears throat> empowered to sort of fly their flag, whatever that is. And that and that was always like I said, that was always a big part of me establishing what I've established at Comic Cons and trying to have wrestling guests and trying to make cool wrestling stuff because I want people to you know to have that place to come and feel like they're welcome. You know, yeah. and uh, that's. 
and taking chances with this man like that's the most important thing you know well that's why I've always kept my main job like I don't have to worry about my uh, you know I don't have to worry about my paying my rent with any of this you know I just want to everything I make goes right back into the machine and I make more stuff and I get a bigger booth you know what I mean you're like, investing in yourself we have a year, yeah know? we have a I mean we have a 10 by, or a 10 by 20 booth in New York Comic Con and this year it's 10 by 40 because they they have actually given us some extra space but it's it's just about you know like I try to get better better signage and better you know just trying to make a better presentation but just you know I don't like I said I'm not here to I'm not really here to make money like it's the iconic story like I, I believe in that story it's a story that's personal to them it's personal to me but also like it's sort of an unconventional story to maybe pitch to a largely male audience you know what I mean to, to do a story about body positivity and how uh, you know how comments on comments on the internet can shape your reality and whatever so I feel like it's a uh, you know but I can take that chance and because I you know, and I think it's an important chance to take. So, yeah, well, I, but that's that's why I like to, that's why I do things the way I do. But I mean, I you know, I, it's a pretty stre- it's a pretty strenuous life. I, I work 60, 65 hours, 70 hours a week sometimes, and uh, you know, at my regular job. And then I mean, I'm publishing two titles now, and I wrote a movie, uh, screenplay. It's not wrestling, but I'm working on that. I'm turning that into a comic. I've got. Uh, more stuff coming with the uh, you know the major with the wrestling major figure podcast and I've got another title that I'm trying to launch so you just uh, you know but I just want to make what I want to make and I, so I don't have a publisher I don't have like I don't get entangled with stuff like if I'm gonna kill myself and I'm gonna not sleep and I'm gonna you know put my health at risk or whatever to do this stuff like I'm gonna make the stuff that I want to make and then I just hope that you know what I mean I hope that everybody can feel the at least feel the passion in what we create and I hope that that inspires them and I hope that you know that uh, you know that story finds its audience and you know one of the things also the whole concept of just going you know you work the uh, the I lovingly call it the shoot job you know mm-hmm. that job you know you're working on your dream you're investing in yourself too and like I always think back to uh, an interview I heard years and years ago with Raven you know where he goes eh, you should invest in yourself buy a you know a jacket you know you know, do this, do this, do this. And I apply that for myself, you know, with what I do, you know, as a podcaster, as a, you know, aspiring creator. You, you invest in yourself because you're the only stock that's worth it. One of the things that I've started to do more of, and I did it at this show, this is my first time in New York Comic Con, is I've been doing these uh, panels about breaking into comics. Um, I, uh, I had to change the name of it. When I started, I used to call it uh, Fuck the Path. But I had to, cha- I had <laughs> I like to change that. that. Um, and it's funny because I did. A, I, I spoke to a library group of writers, and uh, I didn't realize at the time that you know I was going to be speaking to a bunch of old white women. They were uh, they got a kick out of it, but you know I can't really put that in the program of a comic book thing. So I, I, we changed it to make your own damn comic book. But uh, you know, like comics is the type of thing that I think a lot of people want to like. People have dreams of doing, and. They, uh, they don't know how to do it. Like, there's no real path to get into comics. There's a path that people think that they have to take, but you know, the path is a lie. And there's a million different ways to get into comics. And so I want, like, I've been trying to sort of fire up the next generation of creators and, uh, you know, getting them excited about telling their stories. I'm not necessarily worried about impressing, uh, impressing somebody from a small publisher, you know what I mean? Just make your own stuff and get it out there. 
all you need is words and pictures together and, and a, somebody to read it. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. You can do it on Tumblr or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's never been easier to make your own comic. It's never been harder to fight for audience space. But it's so weird that you know, like in the last year, you, we've also the pandemic has been beneficial for so many people in the sense of trying new things, going in new realms. You know, myself, I'm going into writing and trying you know, to do comics, make comics. Sure. And then on the flip side, you know, I go here to Comic Con. And I, I was talking, I think, on uh, our interview with Fabian Niciesa, I was saying, this year is like a big chance for a lot of these comic creators, these small up-and-comers that got spots at Arthur Alley. I, mean, I was going to say Arthur Alley. Artist Alley, there we go, easy for me to say. But the whole, you know, they're giving them chances, like they're taking chances, like, you know, somebody's going to be there, and their their career might have gotten made this weekend, and they don't know it yet. Right. It's so insane. And like, I used to also say, like, walk around the con, you know, any other year, too, the next big IP could be there, and we don't know it yet. Sure. Absolutely. And that's, uh, that's what I love about this place, man. That's the one thing that really sort of hurt during the pandemic for me is, you know, I... I work with truck drivers and I work in supply chain. I work in logistics and that's my regular job. And then, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm on the road so much. I don't, have, I don't have a lot of friends in my town because I just don't have time to cultivate friendships. And you know what I mean? I'm either working on stuff or I'm home or I'm trying to spend what time I have with my family or whatever. So like being stuck home for a year and a half was tough. Like just cut off from like these things, these shows, like they feed my soul. Like. I love to I come here and like people will come up and they're like, oh, I love your books. Like this guy came up to me and he's like, oh, I bought your books like back at, at the last Wizard Philly show I did, which was, I can't even remember now. And he's like, he goes, I'm hooked. He goes, I haven't seen you at a show since. I just want to tell you how much I love your stuff. And I bought all your stuff since and I buy everything and I love what you do. And like, and that's the best, man. I mean, it's just, I it. it's nice to know that. Uh, yeah, I mean like that sort of stuff and like just being around my other creative friends and we're talking about projects we're doing and what we're gonna do and I'm excited and like it just that stuff just it just fills you up like it gets you through the times when you know it's when, when you hit the slot when you hit the wall when you hit tired or whatever like those are the things that keep your tank full and I mean I had a year and a half of you know nothing filling that tank and that's that's tough and I, I have really missed this like, you know, yeah, there are the constrictions like the mask mandate, etc., etc. But at the end of the day, I don't care because I get to see my friends again that I haven't Dude, seen in a long time. I hugged a lot of people this week. I mean, so, I had my mask on, whatever, you know, but I hugged some people. I, mean, I miss you know, so many people, man. Yeah. It's a weird, it's like a weird, like, nomadic family that sort of, you know, y'all kind of shuffle from town to town and, but like, you know, different towns. And it's, uh, there's nothing like it. You know, and it's definitely not the life for everybody, but like, I don't know, whenever I, whenever I start setting up my booth, like it's always a slog, you know, like usually when I, when I do a show, I'm working the night before, I go from work right to the airport, I have all my stuff pre-packed, I go to the airport on no sleep, I drive to the show, and then I start setting up and I have like a little playlist of songs that I listen to when I'm setting up my booth, and the music hits, and then I start feeling it, and just like... You know what I mean? Like, you just know, like, you're where you're supposed to be. And, like, I love that. It's the oddest thing, you know what I mean? Like, just putting up banners and stuff and setting up the booth, but I'm just like, man, you know, it's great. It's just a good feeling. It's funny because you were the guy that introduced me years ago to Gaslight Anthem. 
Yes. And then I ended up getting their lyrics tattooed on my arm. <laughs> and it's like the, you know, the lyrics are stay hungry, stay free, and do the best you can. And it's, that's what it is. You have to keep, you know, pushing yourself and keep going forward. There's nothing sadder than becoming friends with Alex Levine, like, after Gaslight Anthem broke up. But... I, uh, I did get to see them perform once since then. Like they did a 10th anniversary for the 59th Sound. I Which is a masterpiece, them. by the oh, way. Yeah. That album's amazing. Um, no, I love everything about what they do. So, but <laughs> Alex gave me. Alex really likes my book too, which is cool. Like it's cool. Like one of the one of the most gratifying things is when somebody who you respect respects something that you've done, and like that's like that's so cool to me. Like. I'm the biggest fan of, like, I watched, I like The Wire, season two is my favorite season, Frank Sabatka, played by Chris Bauer, is one of my favorite characters in, like, television, whatever, everybody likes Omar, Omar's cool, don't get me wrong, but Frank Sabatka is my guy, and, like, Chris Bauer was recently introduced to my books, and he follows me on all my socials now, he sent me a message, telling me he liked it, you know what I mean, like, it's so... It's so cool, like, like to me, like, I'm like, oh man, like this dude that I think is the, you know, the bee's knees, thinks that something I did was cool. What about Johnny Gargano? <laughs> but it, it's yeah, it's it's gratifying and it's rewarding. And like the other thing too with going to these shows, by the way, you mentioned the whole, you know, seeing people you haven't seen in forever. I've lovingly called this my nerdy family reunion. Oh, for sure. This is that show, and it's like. Well, it's called San Diego, like, uh, like nerd summer camp, because like everybody's got the same spot, and like, yeah, you, know, you just kind of pull you back into your spot every year. And it's the same, you know, like people you see once a year, like Tom Zeller does uh, Love and Capes. I think it's My Little Pony too, maybe. But I never see that guy ever. But every year he's right next to us in San Diego. Like, hey, what's up? How you been? You know, Greg Peskevich who does Arsenic Lullabies, one of my favorite dudes. Like, I see him every year at San Diego, and it's just like a weird summer camp thing. And you're all back in your spot, and you tell, you know, you exchange sort of pleasantries, and then you don't see each other again for, you know, 11 and a half months. So. And it's like, it's it's gratifying though those connections and friendships you make. Like, you know, you with Ed McGinnis. Ed McGinnis is one of your friends. And it's yeah. like, it's being able to say somebody who has had such a big impact on comics, like him, you know, it's neat to know. Yeah, no, I love that. That's a sweetheart. You know, like, there's some people in comics, there's some straight-up sociopaths in comics. It's funny, because, you know, like, wrestling, people always think of wrestling as such a, you know, like a rough business. But I've been treated a thousand times better in wrestling than I have in comics. Like, by wrestlers, by star wrestlers. Like, I've been treated better by, like, you know, Hall of Fame wrestlers than I have by people who've written comics that you've never heard of. So, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dichotomy. But uh, it's, it's, you know what I mean? But, like, the people I love, man, I mean, I love some, you know, there's also, obviously, people I love, too, you know? I've, uh, but it's funny, I definitely have had better experiences in wrestling than I have with comics, but uh, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely some, uh, some real quality humans, too, though. I remember years ago, I kind of fell out of pro wrestling, and then I was like, you know what, I'm going to replace that uh, itch in my life. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go from one toxic fandom and leave that and never go back to another toxic fandom. So I became a comic book fan. I mean, there's really no such thing as a, as a fandom that's not toxic. I mean, just by its nature. Yeah. I've been really, really lucky that between wrestling and comics, they obviously have such toxic fandoms, but I really kind of stay out of it because I'm not, I'm not playing with 
you know, Spider-Man or the WWE stuff. Like, I'm out of the, like, I kind of stay away from that kind of stuff. I'm like I, Switzerland when it comes to stuff like that. Right. Um, like, I'm, I'm impartial to everything. Like, I'll attack people that, you know, attack AEW, and I'll, you know, I'll make fun of them. I'll say, oh, look at the Vince seller right here. And then I'm just like, you know, like, they'll go, oh, what are you going to do? Uh, something with Tony Khan? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not a con artist because, you know, I believe in what I believe in, too. They, they mess up, too. Sure. No one's perfect. And that's the hard thing about Twitter is so many people trying to just deal in absolutes. Yeah. And I think if you learn anything, only sits deal in absolutes. Damn it, I was going to make that joke. <laughs> so, there's a lot of, uh, you know, we were always worried about all these edgelords on Twitter, but I think we should be worried about all these Sith lords on Twitter. I agree. That's the real problem. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, that's the good thing about being sort of a double independent. On some level, like, it's harder to get people's attention, but on another level... I sort of avoid the worst of all the fandoms, so... Have you considered air horns? <laughs> Perhaps. I had a conversation with a friend about going here to Comic-Con, get, like, you know, to not get attention. I go, oh, I should wear, like, one of those dog collar cones and carry around an air horn. <laughs> It'll work. People will avoid me. That'll be great. <laughs> but, Mike, before we go and drop wrap this episode up, first off, thank you again, and thank you for bringing the magic that you bring over here to New York Comic Con every year with what you do. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And how can people get a hold of you on social media? Everything's uh, Headlock Comic. It's one word. Uh, headlocked. Headlocked. The past tense of Headlocked. Headlocked Comic uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. It's all me. So, uh, you know, anybody can hit me up. If you've got questions about breaking into comics, if you got questions about wrestling, comics, you want to buy our stuff, support our stuff, whatever. I mean, I'm always around and uh, willing to willing to listen. Would you get tips about uh, hubcaps or a 72 Pinto hatchback? I mean, I can try. Cool. I can't I can't, I can't say that they're going to be good, but, you know. And when does the uh, Kickstarter launch again? Uh, next week. So, uh, you know, there's still time to get in on the pre-launch. We've got some really cool stuff for early adopters. There's discounts. There's uh, some prizes for people that are among the first uh, 50 backers. So, uh, it's a hotly contested thing. Those go quick. I mean, we've got a pretty good fan base built up, so people tend to, the spots tend to go quick, but you can get some free stuff if, you, uh, if you're there at the launch. So, uh, you know, it's worth your time. Very cool. Mike, thank you once again, again. For <laughs> The Marvelist, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Mike Kingston. Pretend Eddie Wilson said Excelsior.